You're listening to a message from Victory. Learn what it means to have faith in week one of our Christmas series, Hark! So now let's jump off in Luke chapter one and let me start the story today. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Lord, we commit our time to you. May you speak to us through your word. I pray, Lord, that the Christmas story would come alive in the next few weeks as we study the scripture. Lord, may we have a greater appreciation of the great story that that Christmas is and how it can transform our lives, our family, and how we celebrate Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, just to give you a background of the story in Luke chapter 1, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. This was during a time where it was the days of Herod. Now, Zechariah was a priest that's mentioned here. Zechariah came from the division of Abijah. So see, Zechariah was actually a small uh, uh, small. Uh, community pastor, right? Jerusalem had around 100,000 people. Now, during Passover, it can jump up to a million. But then, Zechariah came from a town that's so small, it's around 50 to 100 people. So his church could be around 30 people, 20 people, to around 50 people. Half of the city of of the barangay actually could go to Zechariah's uh, synagogue, right? And he was a priest. And he had a wife, Elizabeth, who came from the line of Aaron, which means they were a line of ministers. So uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were very simple people. People They loved God, and they lived during the time of Herod. Now, as you all know, Herod, if you go to Israel, makita mo architecture ni Herod. He's one of the greatest minds of all time. Up until now, his art and his architecture is beyond his time. Uh, he was the one who invented the quick-dry cement. This was during the time where there were no quick-dry cement. He was able to build Caesarea. Yung, yung lupa, the architecture was uh, underneath was the sea. So bago pa yung Moa, meron nang nagawa si Herod. Okay? This was how intelligent he was. If you go to places like Masada and all the palaces that he's built, you'll be amazed that, wow, during his time, Somebody actually thought of this and, and built it. This was Herod. But at the same time, Herod was also very cruel, evil, and paranoid. Herod killed his wife and killed all of his three sons because he was afraid that they might take his place. Now, to the point that he was so paranoid, when he killed his wife, the next day he was looking for his wife. He forgot he killed his wife. right? And, and so this was, he, he was ultimate ultra-mega-schizo guy. When he died, nobody, nobody honored him. Though he was the greatest mind of all time and one of the most advanced leaders during his time, when he died, nobody honored him. So, Zechariah lived during this time. He was a small-town pastor and there was this Herod the Great who was ruling over them and, and it was a dangerous time to be a God-fearing believer. And... They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So Zechariah and Elizabeth were both Christians. They, they fear God, they believe in God. They had no child and it was close, uh, and it was close to possible they will, have, they will not have one because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Tanda na raw sila. 
And this was their pain. This was their test. For somebody who loves God, and at the time they had no baby, and they were believing God for a baby, but Elizabeth was married. There was no technology before where you can inject and have a baby. So they just had to pray, and they would pray for decades. Now, just to make sure you understand the context, women at those times get married as early as 14, 15, 16. So now they're advanced in years. They've been praying for maybe 50, 60 years already to have a baby, and there was no answer. But if you look at this, they were both righteous. For them, baby was not the ultimate goal in life. The baby wasn't an idol that they wanted to have. It wasn't really the most ultimate thing. For them, if I have a baby, I worship God. If I don't have a baby, I praise God. Right? So they were both righteous and they served God even in the midst of barrenness. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, once a year, they draw a lot, raffle, they get a name of a priest, and you're, you're chosen, and you're chosen, and then once, a, once in your lifetime, if you're your name was drawn out of the lot, what happens is, uh, you'll never be able to do the ritual again on the Passover. And this time, it was Zechariah who would, who would be the one to represent everyone. So this was the biggest day of his life. This was the highlight of his ministry. Zechariah was going to be the one to represent everyone in front of the people. He would go into the temple. It was a simple ritual. Temple, and you go there and maybe you pray, Lord, we're, we're awaiting for the Messiah to come. Please forgive the sins of the people. And they do their same old ritual every year and then he would leave. Okay? Now, it was going to be quick. It was going to be short. Nothing unusual. What was unusual, and that's why this is big for Zechariah, was because he was a small town pastor. This was highlight for him this this is the day it's my birthday anniversary valentine's wrapped together right he was so happy for this day he was preparing for this day where he was chosen to enter the temple of the lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of the incense and there appeared to him an angel of the lord standing on the right side of the altar of the incense so here's zechariah from a very small town, insignificant. He was nameless. He was not popular. If he had a Facebook, he would have 50 friends. Nobody knew him. Didn't even bother to start an Instagram account. Because nobody will follow him. He was advancing years. And he was pastoring 30, 40 people. But then, he was chosen. And while people were praying outside, waiting for the priest to do his thing, an angel of the Lord appeared. And this was where everything changed. The unthinkable happened. Now, why is this significant? Because for 400 years, God was silent. During the Old Testament times, they were already prophesying there was a hero who will come who will save the world. There was going to be this Messiah who would come. Even in the Old Testament, it was mentioned there will be someone who will prepare the way for the Messiah. Malachi. 400 years, silence, Lord. God did not speak. And then an angel of the Lord appeared. This was the year, at the day where a nameless, not a famous priest was doing his duty and an angel of the Lord appeared. Showed up to this guy who was barren, who was not known, who was insignificant. Imagine, no? 
of all the people that God would use, God would use Zechariah, who had no following, and say, I'm going to use you to deliver such a powerful message. That there's going to be a hero, and I'm going to use you to prepare the way. It's going to be your... It's going to be you and your line who would do this. A very simple lesson we can see here, no? Don't, Don't ever think you are too insignificant to be used by God. Everybody in this room. May it never cross our mind, I'm such a simple, ordinary guy that God will not use me for big things. You will never know. Zechariah was just doing his duty. He was just faithful to what God had called him to do. Out of a raffle, he was chosen to represent the people. And now an angel showed up to Zechariah, not to another famous priest, but to a small town priest, and say, I have an announcement to make. And an angel showed up. Have you ever thought how maybe I'm so insignificant, what I'm doing is so little, how I serve the kids, you know, or I lead worship, I don't know if they really... Or in the office, I, I help out this person, or I give money to this poor every week. I know it might be insignificant. No, nobody's taking an Instagram of me doing this work. I don't know if this would even affect our nation. But don't we ever think that our small acts of generosity and love is insignificant? Don't we ever think that we are insignificant? Because God is in the business of using nameless and faceless people to change history. He always chooses the underdogs. He always chooses someone who thinks he's insignificant. And so, after this, when the angel appeared, Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear fell upon him. Why? As he was doing his ritual, the angel appeared. For sure, it didn't look this way, right? Because if this was the angel that appeared, ano sabi ni Zechariah? Can I bring you home? It wasn't. That's why in Scripture you would see when angels appeared, they were humongous, they were big, they were scary. That's why the first word that would come out of an angel is, Fear not. Imagine the wings. <laughs> right? Fear not. I've got something to tell you. Good news. I'm not going to kill you. Because they've heard in Exodus, an angel appeared and killed all the firstborn. They heard how angels would bring the wrath of God. And so now this angel said, no, fear not. I bring you good news. This wasn't the picture of the angels. These were their babies. Okay? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Manang Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name, what? John. They have been praying and waiting and praying and waiting and praying and waiting and praying and waiting and now an angel appears and tells them, Lo, 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 ka. Imagine, right? Just the dramatic effect of an angel appearing to an old senior citizen and saying, you're going to have a baby. God hears. God knows. And he says, don't be a afraid the prayer has been answered. Not only don't be afraid of me, don't be afraid that you're a lolo and you're going to have your own son, not a napo. Do not be afraid. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at His birth. God is in the business of turning our sadness into joy, our mourning into dancing. But I do want to point out here, and that's why I said it earlier, baby was not their ultimate goal. 
They weren't going to worship God just because they had a baby. Even without a baby, they served. They loved Jesus. Wala pa pala si Jesus dito. They loved God. They were God-fearers. They were believing God-believing people. Even in the midst of barrenness, they chose to worship God. You see, God is a turnaround specialist. You might be here today and sometimes, you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, Christmas is happy, but for you it's not. Oh, my business just went down. Or, Pasko na, wala pasinta ko. Diba? You could have all the reason. You know, or a bad news about health just came this month. I don't know what you're going through, but remember this, God can turn things around if He wants to. I'm not saying He will now, but He's a turnaround specialist. He can turn things around for us. That's why the promise was He'll turn our sadness into joy, our mourning into dancing, our beauty, uh, beauty for ashes, right? Then in verse 15, For He will be great before the Lord, and He must not drink wine or strong drink, and He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from His mother's womb. I love the declaration of the angel. The angel said to Zechariah, Your son, John, by the way, name him John. He'll be the first American in the Bible. John. Now, John, his name should have been Zechariah Jr. Or the second, according to culture. But what the angel was saying, no, this is supernatural. This is going to come from God. Name him John, because John means God is gracious. Name him John. Okay, And this John will be great. At the time, Herod was called Herod the Great. What the angel was saying is, He'll not be great like Herod the Great. He'll be great in his own way. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe not in the eyes of men. Because as we all know, when John grew up, he was wearing camel skin. He was eating locusts. He was baptizing people. That was his job. But when you stick to what God has called you, God says, that's greatness. That is success. Don't we ever believe whatever the world tells us when it comes to success? The only way God can use you is if you're at this level of success. Don't believe that lie. Because God used somebody insignificant like Zechariah, who never grew his church to thousands. God used somebody like John, who would baptize people, who would eat locals, who would live a very simple life, and say, He will be great. Your son, your daughter will be great. I know a lot of great people who are not millionaires. I know a lot of great people who are simple people. Some of the heroes that I have are not millionaires or billionaires. They're actually simple people who've touched my heart, who've invested time in my life to disciple me, to teach me. My teachers are heroes for me. That's my hero, my Yaya. Si Yaya Bioli, for years, took care of us. That's a hero for me. A hero is someone who understands this is the path that God has given me. I walk this path. I know it might not bring me fame, it might not bring me power or millions of money, but I know this is where God plays me. I'll walk this path and that would make me great. And I hope we teach this to the next generation. I hope your peg is not Mark Zuckerberg. I hope your goal as a family is to teach them whatever path God has given you, you walk that path. That will make you great. And the, and the declaration of the angel was, He will be great before the Lord. Not before the eyes of men, but before the Lord. When you look at you, how do you see you? If you're walking in the path of God, 
You might not be somebody who's, who's been there, who's a success now in the eyes of the world. But I do hope you see the greatness that you have before the Lord, not before the eyes of men. And He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And, and, and He will go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, side note. When Zechariah was doing his ritual, his thing, his work, God showed up. An angel showed up. All in Scripture you would see. The people were just doing what they, God required them to do, and then God showed up. They were working. Moses was tending the sheep when the burning bush happened. David was bringing bread to his brothers when Goliath taunted the Israelites. Zechariah was doing his priestly duty when the angel appeared. In short, Because when you work, God shows up. But if you're lazy, I don't know if God will show up. But maybe the devil will show up. An idle mind is the devil's playground. If all you do is just watch TV all the time, for sure the devil will show up. Or maybe he won't. He doesn't need to show up. They were just doing the work when this happened. And again, this was significant for Zechariah because when the angel said he would be great and he would have the spirit of Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the father to their children, Zechariah in his mind was saying, Whoa! Familiar verse for me. 400 years ago, this was declared in Malachi. It was a prophecy. And now it is my son who will fulfill that prophecy in Malachi 3. In Malachi 3, it says, Behold, I send my messenger. Okay? And He will prepare the way before Me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to His temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. In the Old Testament, 400 years ago, a prophecy was made, there will be a messenger who would come. And now, after 400 years of silence, Raphaeldro, Zechariah, doing his duty, angel appeared and saying, you'll have a son, name him John, because he will have the spirit of Elijah in him and he will prepare the way for the Lord. Malachi 3 verse 1. Malachi 4 verse 5 and 6. And he will, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day that the Lord comes. He will have the spirit of Elijah. It wasn't Elijah who will come back to life. It was the spirit of Elijah that will be in John the Baptist. Imagine if you're the parent and you're hearing this. This is overwhelming. This was my thesis in college. It's my son. My son will fulfill the prophecy. But I'm old. My wife's barren. We're advanced in years. And now you're telling me, this is going to be my son. And in verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their father, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The prophetic word came to pass. That's why treasure the prophetic words given to you. I remember I was 15 in a youth camp when a prophetic word was given to me. I was shy. I was your next door guy. Right? I was just a simple student who never actually got a lot of high grades. And somebody, pro- I don't speak. I always clown around in school. And this youth pastor by the name of Pastor Ferdy Kabiling laid hands on me and told me, Dennis, I prophesy you're going to speak to thousands upon thousands of people. You will go to the north, east, west, south. In my mind, North Avenue, West Avenue, East Avenue, South Alabang. 
I never thought I would travel around the world to speak to thousands of people. Who would? I'm the class clown. Nobody will believe me. But a prophetic word was given when I was 15. That I was going to speak to nations. That I was going to make a difference in the world. Prophetic word. Powerful words. When I was 19, another guy prophesied over me and said, You're going to write books. What? I don't even read books. Why will I write books? Archie Comics lang natatapos ko nun. Sakapugad baboy. I don't even read books. I don't know how to read books. And now I'm going to write books? 19 years old. And somebody prophesied over me. Do not despise those prophecies. You will never know. And that was a prophetic word from a prophet who was trained inside the local church. It wasn't even an angel or Malachi prophesying over me. But I treasure those prophecies. I treasure the prophecies given to my sons and my daughters. It's amazing how God can speak. If tayo palang enjoy na enjoy na tayo sa prophetic word na binigay ng isang tao na taga victory lang, how much more Malachi? And now Zechariah's hearing this. And this is ancient text being fulfilled right in this small room in the temple of the Lord where an angel of the Lord appeared to me and saying, Your son. We were praying for a son. And now you're telling us we'll have a son. And now he, the spirit of Elijah is upon him. You've broken the 400 years of silence to someone like me. Remember, God's answers are bigger than our prayers. We pray this, God is able to do this. You think you're a man of faith and you speak words of faith, you'll be amazed when God answers. He answers like this. Again, I'm not saying all the time. I'm not saying you pray for statics, God would give you a truck, okay? Or a bus. What I'm saying is, if He wants to, He'll do it. If you think He can't, He will. God's answers are bigger than our prayers. And Zechariah, and look, the response. I want you to look at the response. The angel says, you'll have a son. Name him John. It was so specific. It was so sure, 100% sure. You'll have a son. And let me quote Malachi. Because that's your son. Name him John. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, if we're going to make this into real life, that wasn't the sound. The sound would have been, I am an old man. My wife is advancing years. Si Lola. That was the sound. We're old. Nobody on earth has ever had a baby at the age of 80, 90 years old. Except what we've read in the Old Testament never happened now. I'm old. I'm advanced in years. My wife, barren and advanced in years. You've been praying for decades, right? Imagine the conversation in this room. Imagine what was running in his mind. We've been praying for more than 60 years, 70 years for this to happen. And now the answer came, very specific, with the Malachi context. And Zechariah's response was, I'm old. My wife's advanced in years. I have a question to ask everyone here. Do you really believe what you pray for? Or are you just praying for the sake of praying because you're Christians? When we pray, do we really believe what we pray for? Because let me be honest, and let me be so theologically on the spot here. Our job is to step out in faith. It's not my job to heal. 
My job is to step out in faith and live by faith. It's God's job to heal. It's not my job to answer the prayer. It is God's job to answer the prayer. My job is to pray in faith. Zechariah prayed. Imagine, from 14, 15 years old, Lord, bigyan mo kami ng baby. Diba? Hanggang 60 years old, Lord, bigyan mo na kami ng baby. Hanggang 70 na. Imagine, they were praying and praying and praying and praying, and now the answer came. But I'm old. Didn't you pray? Yeah, it's the right thing to do. My pastor told me. But I don't believe it. I just did it. When we pray, do we actually believe what we're praying for? When you pray for someone who's sick, do you believe for healing? Or in your mind, there's a tension. Dina, stage por Really? Because we've had people that we need to pray for. And we go there and we see, uh-oh. And the resting in your spirit is, do I pray for healing? Or do I pray God take him or her? But my job is not to tell, ito nang taning ng buhay mo. My job is to pray for healing. Because I'm a Christian. I'm not God. I'm not the healer. I'm the instrument. Your job is to go out and step out in faith. And declare faith over your circumstances. Over your business. Over your finance. Over your family. That's your job. God's job is to turn things around. Because God's answer is bigger than our prayers. But what I need to do, I have to step out in faith. I just need to pray. I don't know if God will answer it or not. But that's not my job. My job is to step out. It's like Peter walking on water. His job was to step out of the boat. It's God's job to make the water like cement. It's not our job. We can't do it. So, when we pray, do we really believe? When you're believing God for a breakthrough in your business, do you really believe? Because if you really believe, you'll work hard. Because you believe that something's going to happen. Just like Zechariah, I'm doing my thing, God shows up. Do you really believe your marriage can be repaired? It can be restored? If yes, date your wife, God will show up. Do you really believe that God can bring your grades back to life? Then you study, and then God will show up. Do you really believe? Zechariah doubted. Every time there's unbelief, you have to quiet your unbelief. What I'm saying is, it's, it's always there. Especially when it's close to home. The hardest prayers I make is when my kids are sick. Why? It's personal. You're not at your right frame of mind. If there's something that happens to family, that's where I get like, I forget becoming a Christian. Yeah. I pray silly prayers. Because it becomes very subjective. I forget how good and great God is. That I need to quiet my unbelief so that I could declare faith over the situation. Don't pray one prayer and then come out and complain. And this is what Zechariah did. Prayed for decades. Now the answer came and he was questioning. Look at how the angel answered. Funny how the angel answered. And I do hope you use your creative imagination of the conversation that happened in the temple. Zechariah said, I'm old, my wife is advancing years, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. The angel never answered. Well, your 75 sperm count. uh... No. You know the answer? The answer was this. I'm old. I'm advancing years. The angel. Imagine the angel. <laughs> right? 
I am Gabriel. I was sent by God. There are only two angels in ancient texts that have names. I'm one of them. I am Gabriel. The other is Michael. Of all the angels like cherubim and seraph and precious moments. God sent me. I am declaring His name. I hope you understand. The angel was pissed off. Two names in the book of Daniel. Gabriel, Michael, fighting against the demons. And now on this day where your name was chosen out of the raffle draw, God chose me of all the millions of angels to send you this great news. And you doubt. That was the answer. And so the angel said, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Galit. What does the angel say? The angel was saying, you quiet down your unbelief. If you're just going to whine and complain about the promises and the goodness and the nature of God, shh! Now, we don't need an angel to come down. We have the entire scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, 66 books. It's actually in your bedroom. The very words of God. Imagine if an angel showed up. You'll just wet your pants. We don't need an angel to show up in our bedroom, right? Randall! Go to Hong Kong next week. You don't need an angel to show up all the time. Victory Green Hills members who don't attend Victory Group. 11 a.m. pero late pa rin kayo. An angel doesn't need to show up. Ang sarap nito ha. Okay. Ano pa mga problema natin? Mga masasamang titig sa mga ushers kung may problema. Di ba? Mag-volunteer ka rin. The angel doesn't need to show up. It doesn't have to. The words of God are complete. And every time there's a tension there of unbelief and doubt, you quiet it. And this takes a lot of changing, a transforming of the mind. Romans 12. The renewing of the mind. Because the earthly self will be full of unbelief. The earthly self will calculate the age of Elizabeth and Zechariah. But the supernatural goes beyond the natural. And that's why you have to quiet your unbelief. That's why, whatever is true, pure, noble, think of such things. Because when doubt and unbelief comes, you've got to learn how to wrestle with those. And quiet the unbelief. It is God's job. My job is to step out. Because God's answer can be bigger actually than my prayers. Our words of declaration should be words of faith. And I think this is a good New Year's resolution. Next year, I'm going to be a faith-filled guy. Whatever comes out of my mouth would not be complaining, would not be looking down on myself. It would be faith. I'm going to look with eyes of faith. Do not look down on yourself. There's so many ways we look down on ourselves even as a nation. Always thinking, I'm only up to here. I cannot make it. Pag may nag-English, nosebleed. That's looking down on yourself. That's why you've never challenged your brain to move up. Because of the limitations. Because you're not looking with the eyes of faith. The reason you're shy about the gospel is because of the limitations in your mind. What if they reject me? What if they... The reason you're not being promoted 
is because of the fear of responsibility. What if they give me more? Can I really manage it? You have to look with eyes of faith. Our words of declaration should be that of faith. Not of doubt. Not of unbelief. Remember this. Your story, your story is part of a bigger story. And I want to end with this. Malachi prophesied. 400 years of silence, you think this is the main thing. It wasn't the main thing. When the angel broke the silence after 400 years and saying, his name is going to be John. We're not celebrating Mary John Mas. John's story was just part of a bigger story. Even though he had the spirit of Elijah, even though he was one of the greatest men who ever lived, it wasn't even about John the Baptist. Even though he fulfilled the prophecy in Malachi that he will be the messenger who will prepare the way of the Lord, it wasn't about John. It was about somebody bigger. Spoiler alert, see Jesus. The next two weeks, we'll look at Jesus. John's story and life was just part of a bigger story. And the ultimate story is there will be a rescuer who will come, a hero who will come and rescue people from their sin. And John was just an instrument. The same way all of us in this room, your story is a small, tiny part of a bigger story that God is weaving when He comes back. And Christmas is a reminder for us every year not to give gifts. It's a reminder of the ultimate story that somebody came 2,000 years ago. His story was a small part of a bigger story. Now, practically, how can we apply this as a church? Aside from knowing that your life only is a small part of a bigger story, is this. As a church, what we want to do this Christmas is we want to share our story to the community. And the story is that there is a God who loves them. That there is a Jesus who wants to save them. And there is a church who is willing. And there is a church that is able to show the community that Jesus is still alive and working. We're going to have a project called Bless the City. And what we're going to do is use in our own little way, just like last week's message, a little bit of our finance, a little bit of our time, to use that to bring the gospel to the city. And how will we do it? Okay. We'll do it this month that will tie in to next year as we start a church on the other side of the city. And we're having our Bless the City project. Now, what are we going to do? You know, in our city, there's a lot of poor people. There's a lot of people who are underprivileged. Okay? There are a lot of people who are never thankful for, for their contribution to our city. We've handpicked works that we have been doing for the past nine years. And we're going to bless our community. We're going to barangay communities. We're going to the city hall employees, to the families of the drug dependents. Okay, and the drug dependents who've surrendered in our city that we're doing our, our 12-week program, the Right Start Foundation in West Krame that caters to uh, the, the kids who are living in West Krame, teachers and students supported by Every Nation Campus 
we've gone around, Dave and the whole team have gone around, they, they, they've asked the teachers and the school personnel what they need. And uh, also our mall personnel, the guards, you know, all the staff of Ortigas, right, would like to bless them. The traffic enforcers who's outside 10 hours a day, we would like to bless them as a church. And why are we doing this? Again, because our story is part of a bigger story. You will never know what will happen through the small acts of generosity that we do. I'll give you an example. No? Last night, I had a wedding at Bulacan. And going home, it was so traffic. Sabi ni Waze, 1 hour 20. It became 2 hours 30. So he changed his mind again. All right? And, and so I was so hungry. So I went to McDonald's, healthy option, okay? Ordered an organic chicken, okay? With vegetable on the side, potato, called French fries. And of course, drank it with a tea, iced tea, okay? Right? And, and before entering McDonald's, there were four kids outside asking for money. I said, no, no, later, later. But really, on my mind, <laughs> I won't give them, right? So I ate. And while eating, the Holy Spirit just prompted. Check the kids outside again, count, and I want you to buy something for them. So I look at my wallet, okay? There's a few pesos in my wallet. So I say, okay. I look at the menu, okay? Burger McDo would do, 35 pesos. Bagong beef, ang gamit, okay? Uh, all new formulated, okay? Beef, very healthy, okay? 35 pesos times 4, 140 pesos. I could, I could do that. So I bought Burger McDonald's. Because it was just God prompting me. I don't know why. This is the first time I'll do this. To give kids burger. Okay. So I went out and they came running. They were asking for money. I said, here, for you. So they thought, just like any ordinary street kid, these are leftovers. You open it. There's half rice, chicken that's bitten, or a burger where the patty's gone and it's just the... <laughs> You know, the, the works, uh, the leftover works that people give kids. And a kid grabs it and was trying. I said, no, 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 that's for the four of you. I bought four burgers for you. And, they, and the kid stopped, put it on the floor, opened it. And he saw it was burger. If I could have videoed the reaction. When they looked and they saw the burger, all of them were jumping. Hamburger! 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 Well, the young boy was just shouting, Hamburger! Hamburger! Because yeah. tira, tira! No! And I'm not saying this to brag about the 35 pesos I gave a street kid, right? It's nothing to brag about. But I don't know why the Spirit would prompt me to do it. I really don't know. Maybe they haven't eaten their dinner. Or maybe it's part of a bigger story. Maybe one of those kids would start a foundation and would remember one, one stormy night on a December, a Chinese guy with thick eyebrows <laughs> gave him a burger, McDo, that's hot. I don't know. Or it could be nothing. I don't know also. I don't know what God will do. Is there a bigger story to this? All I knew was the Spirit prompted me to buy something that was not in my budget for the day and gave it to these kids. I don't know if there's a story behind this or not. I really don't know. Or maybe it's just a good illustration for today. I don't know also. But all I know is there might be a story here that's bigger than 35 pesos. Now, 
just to remember what we're doing. We want to demonstrate the story of Christmas. That there was a God who gave. Right? Can we just all stand up right now? Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for the life of Zechariah. Seemingly an insignificant, nameless priest that you've chosen. Because for you, there's nobody who's insignificant. Everybody is important. Lord, and that you can turn things around because of the story of the gospel. Lord, even as we pray today, as we bless the city, Lord, we pray that your story, Lord, your story would spread in our city. There would not only be 4,000 people in our church, but even more will get to know Jesus. More people to be discipled, more people to be reached, more people to hear the message of the gospel through the Christmas story. So I pray, God, for each and everyone here today. I pray, Lord, use us in our own small way, Lord, to weave a bigger story of redemption, a bigger story of love, a bigger story of grace, the story of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Bless each and every one of us here today, even as we give. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.